Welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce our crew to you, and we have a special guest this evening, uh, but we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler. And we also have, I believe, all retired this evening, we have Captain Brett Bartlett, and we have special panelists tonight. Uh, yes, we have Lieutenant retired Randy Sutton. And uh, Randy, he has 33 years law enforcement experience, but he um, initially worked, I guess, for the uh, Princeton, New Jersey Police Department. Then he was 23 years with Las Vegas uh, Metropolitan PD, and he retired as a lieutenant there. And uh, he's also one of the most highly decorated officers with Las Vegas in their history. He's written four books. He's been in more movies than I can, uh, than I can you know, recount on the show. So uh, anybody, Anybody seriously in law enforcement has heard Randy Sutton's name, so it's a privilege to have him. And we've also got uh, Corporal David D. Gresta, Officer Andrea Casal, and Producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. I also want to give a shout-out to our sponsors. We have Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies, and we are also powered by PECSIP. So thanks to all those entities. Uh, guys, we have a really good lineup for this evening, some interesting uh, main topics as well. So let's go ahead and start off on the first one. It's on Police One. Mike Callahan, he's a big favorite of ours. He wrote the first one. And it's it's titled Federal Appeals Court Chooses Police Dash Cam Video Over Court Rule Favoring Plaintiff and Officer Shooting Lawsuit. So uh, Ward, we're going to have you go on this first. I know that we've uh, we tried to get it on the last show. We couldn't do it. But at noon on March the 17th of 2017, so a few years ago, uh, Nancy Llewellyn, uh, she called 911, told the Shelby County, Tennessee Sheriff's Office uh, dispatcher that she was depressed, suicidal, and that she had a gun and that she would kill anyone that came to her residence. So in response, we have three uh, Shelby County SO deputies. They respond to the call, and they're in marked cars, and they have dash cams. So when the deputies arrive and they park, uh, she emerges from the front door of the home. She turns towards the driveway where a non-police vehicle was parked. She had what appeared to be a 45 caliber pistol. They later determined that it was a BB gun, of course, and it was in her right hand. So the dashboard camera from a deputy's vehicle disclosed that she walked towards the driveway. She started to raise the gun. A deputy yells for her or yells at her and it's disputed whether or not the video shows that she was beginning to turn towards the deputies when this happened but deputy uh, pascal fires one shot at her and after a short pause a second shot's fired so she continues forward with the right arm pointed horizontally in the direction of the vehicle that's in the driveway deputy wiggins also begins shooting at her she reaches uh, the vehicle leans briefly on the hood turns back towards the house and the deputies continue to shoot at her while she takes a few more steps and collapses so 10 shots were fired were fired in total eight of them hit her and then she ends up dying at the scene. So I know Brett automatically is impressed that eight out of 10 shots landed because it usually doesn't happen with what we uh, with what we covered on the show. So her estate, of course, follows a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court alleging that the deputies used excessive force while uh, shooting her and in killing her in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The district court judge rejected the deputies' assertion of qualified immunity, denied her motion, or denied their motion for summary judgment, and bound the case over for trial. So the deputies filed an appeal with the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Sixth Circuit, and the court reversed. And so the court states that when the video footage of an incident exists, a reviewing court, quote, need not credit the version of a party 
or the plaintiff who asserts facts blatantly contradicted by the videotape. Rather, it should view the facts in light of depicted uh, by the videotape, unquote. So the Sixth Court or Sixth Circuit, they expressed displeasure with the district court's ruling of screenshots, which is really what we're talking about today, uh, to assist in the analysis of the dash cam video and for the conclusion that they come to um, that a genuine material fact dispute existed as to whether she or bad guy female pointed her gun towards the deputies before she was actually shot. The court explained that by relying on the screenshots, a court would violate the teaching of Graham against judging the reasonableness of a particular use of force based on 2020 hindsight, you know, no one after the fact. So the court determines that the lower court was an error when it freeze framed segments of the video and carefully reviewed them to reach a decision on whether the deputies use excessive force. The court explained the deputies actual view of the danger unfolded before them. It did not include leisurely stop action viewing of the real time situation that they encountered. So qualified immunity was granted to the involved deputies. Um, Ward, love for you to go first on this one and kind of dumb it down for the rest of us. Put on your uh, your best Harvard uh, uh, talk show here, Ward. I had a couple problems with the article, even though I'm a great fan of uh, Mr. McCallahan, and I thought this opinion was fairly sloppy. Um, although I I guess I probably uh, agree with it. Finally, um, a couple things first. Uh, at this point in the proceedings, we talked about this after the show last week, when there's a motion for summary judgment, the court has to resolve all disputed facts in favor of the non-movement, usually the plaintiff. Uh, here they made the general pronouncement that if the film is blatantly contradicts the facts of the plaintiff, they'll rely on the film. That's nothing new. There'll be a case I'll be discussing later. The Supreme Court did that way back in 2007 in a police ramming case. Uh, but they really didn't do that here. There were no facts presented by the plaintiff that were contradicted by the film. There were no eyewitnesses other than the cops uh, and the video itself. So that title is a little bit misleading, I think. I think that Callahan makes another mistake when he says that the court ruled that when the suspect holds the gun out in front of her and starts to turn towards the police, you can shoot her even though the gun isn't... Uh, isn't uh, directed at the police officers. The court never ruled that way. Uh, as, as I've mentioned before, there's two issues. Was there a violation of a constitutional right? And was that constitutional right clearly established? Frequently, the courts will go to the second prong, as they did here. They said that, uh, they said that there was qualified immunity because there was no uh, clearly established constitutional right. They never decided, the, the Fifth Circuit, I mean, the uh, Sixth Circuit never decided that there was a, a, a violation of the, of, the, of, the, of, of the woman's right or not a violation. They just skipped it. Um, I think if they were pressed, they would have said there was no violation, but I, I don't believe they actually did that here. I was disappointed in some parts of the ruling. First of all, I like to see the film. I tried to find it. Uh, the court said that the film was, quote, consistent, end quote, with the, quote, perception, end quote, of the police officer that she was turning. That's about as weak as it gets uh, with our, our lawyer, with us lawyers, when we're trying to describe something in the most favorable terms. Um, so I, I would have liked to have seen the film. Uh, another problem is I don't understand how the screenshots don't somehow support the version of the court. It just seems, it just seems odd to me, I suppose it's possible. Uh, the court says the officer yelled at the person but doesn't tell us what the officer yelled. I think that's important. 
The biggest problem I have in the decision is they don't analyze the shots that occurred after she got to the car and turned around and went back towards the house. The cops didn't know it, but we know it, that she left the gun on the car. And you can't hold that against the cops because they didn't know. On the other hand, I'd like to know where the woman's hands were. I assume she was wounded at that point and is probably struggling. Um, I think that there's a lack of analysis of whether the last couple shots uh, were warranted or not. All right. Thank you, Ward. Excellent commentary. Guys, we've got around uh, three minutes and 20 seconds left uh, before we take a break. Is there anybody else on this topic? Anybody else who wants to add anything? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I I'm concerned a little bit about a court ruling too heavily on a video. If Because we've talked about this dozens of times before. The video is very cold, very calculating. It doesn't show emotion. It doesn't show fear. So sometimes what the video shows, while factual, doesn't show what a person, whether an officer or somebody else, was thinking what was going on in their head while they were drawing the gun and using their gun. So I don't know, just as a tangent, I'm not sure I like this too much because the video doesn't show what's going on up in your brain. All right, good point. Uh, well, Brett, Brett, to your po to Brett's point, though, the, the, the appellate court did say that they didn't like the use of those screenshots because that's exactly what it did. It, it caused them to be able to look at minutia in the video that, that detracted from exactly what the officers were seeing and experiencing in real time. And that was one of the problems that they had. So from what Ward was saying, and I understand his points, uh, I think that's where the mistake is, um, was in that part of the ruling, I think the, the justices on the appellate court looked at it from, from that exact perspective. Don't use screenshots. You can't, you can't do that and then make a, a, a decision like that with that type of instant by instant versus what the police are seeing in real time is, is what I got from it. So both, yes, I agree with a lot of what Ward said, but then I'm, I'm not having a problem with the decision at all, really. Brett, in response to your points, there are articles written by people complaining about judges making decisions on close videos, especially older judges. Uh, the, the standard here is not subjective intent, but, but the uh, uh, reasonably objective police officer. So it really shouldn't make it that big of a difference of what's in the shooter's mind. It's what a reasonably objective uh, officer would have seen, and maybe the best evidence of that is the video. Although there are people out there who say, let the jury decide. You know, we're going to be taking our next break, actually, in a few uh, in a few seconds. And I know uh, Lu Lieutenant Sutton's going to be talking to us. I think it's the Wounded Blue, a, uh, a, a special uh, thing that he's put together, and he's going to be, uh, we're supporting this, and we want to get the word out for it as well. So we'll be right back after this commercial break. Go ahead, the floor is yours. Well, I appreciate that. So I wanted to bring everybody's attention to a uh, nonprofit organization that I founded a couple of years ago called The Wounded Blue. We are the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers, www thewoundedblue.org. This is a really important organization because we provide peer support for injured and disabled officers, whether those injuries are physical 
We're emotional, psychological. We help get people into treatment. We let officers who have been hurt, either physically or emotionally, know that they are not alone. They are not forgotten. We've helped over 9,000 police officers in just two years. Um, we're going to be having an incredible training conference at the end of October called the Law Enforcement Survival Summit. And it's to be every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career. So for those of you who are listening, who are active duty, or have been cops and are still struggling, check out the Law Enforcement Survival Summit. Dr. Kevin Gilmartin's part of it. Jason Schechter leaves part of it. We've got an incredible lineup of unbelievable and incredible speakers. So check it out at thewoundedblue.org. And then that night, at the end, we have the Brothers in Blue Bash, the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride in America. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable. All right, guys, uh, moving along here. Let's see our next one. And uh, we are on Police One and also Fox16.com. We have an Arkansas woman who sues a trooper for flipping her car during a pit maneuver. Uh, there was a video associated with this, uh, Little, Little Rock, Arkansas. So uh, this uh, Arkansas woman says that she was injured when a state trooper deliberately bumped into her SUV, causing it to flip because she did not immediately pull over for a traffic stop, and now she's suing both him and the agency. So an attorney for Janice Nicole Harper filed a lawsuit last month in Pulaski County against Trooper Rodney Dunn, several of his supervisors in the Arkansas State Police, alleging negligence and excessive use of force. Now, the suit alleges that Harper, which is our female driving slowed down, activated her blinker and emergency lights and was looking for a safe place to pull over. Apparently, she was doing it for quite a while because I watched the video, too. And she does this after Dunn, our trooper, initiates a traffic stop in July of 2020. So we're really talking less than a year ago. Dashboard video from Dunn's Cruiser shows the trooper performed a uh, pursuit intervention technique or the pit maneuver about two minutes after initiating the stop. So two minutes in, and here's a quote saying that there were no exits or shoulder for plaintiff to safely exit the highway before defendant Dunn negligently executed the pit maneuver on plaintiff's vehicle two minutes and seven seconds after the defendant Dunn initiated the Arkansas State Police Patrol Cruiser overhead lights, which caused her uh, to flip the vehicle, the vehicle to flip. And that's what the lawsuit states anyhow. So that's a quote taken from the lawsuit. It goes on to say that in a statement provided last month, the television station KARK, Colonel Bill Bryant said that over the past five years, troopers have seen a 52% increase in the number of drivers who ignore uh, traffic stops that troopers are initiating. And a quote says that in every case, a state trooper has used a pit maneuver. The fleeing driver could have chosen to end the pursuit by doing what all law-abiding citizens do every day when a police officer turns on the blue lights. They pull over and stop. Now, the American Civil Liberties Union of Arkansas, of course, on Friday, called for state legislators to investigate the use of this pit maneuver. They said that these deadly maneuvers are a reminder that police are routinely escalating mere traffic violations in the dangerous situations that endanger the lives of all motorists. And this is what Holly Dixon said. She's the executive director of ACLU of Arkansas. And Harper suffered severe injuries as a result of the crash. And she says that she had mental and emotional distress, whatever, lost work, attorney costs, other expenses. And this is all alleged in the lawsuit. And listen to this. She was actually pregnant at the time uh, that 
the crash happened, but her baby has no effects from from what went down. Her attorney's name and Brett will probably be finishing an email to him before the show's over. Andrew Norwood is her attorney, uh, but. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Lieutenant. There could be an argument that she was negligent and uh, fleeing from cops while she was pregnant when they had to initiate the pit maneuver. I don't know. What do you guys think? Jim, you're crazy. You are, you are absolutely nuts. This is one of the worst things I've seen since I've been on this show. This woman was going 84 in the 70. Once the cop lit her up, she slowed down to 60, below the speed limit pulled over into the far right-hand lane and put on her emergency blinkers, which under the driving manual at the time, issued by the state police in that state, said you're supposed to pull over and put on your blinkers, and that indicates you're looking for a place, safe place to stop. There were concrete bunker, bunkers on the side of the road, very narrow. She was looking for a safe place to go. Um, and, and what's interesting is, look at these statements. This ridiculous, stupid statement by Colonel Bryant, and plus the idiotic statements by the cop. Oh, you didn't stop what I told you to. Nothing about, nothing about her endangering anybody. There is, a, uh, there is a Supreme Court case in 2007 that involved not a pit maneuver, but a ramming of a car. And the Supreme Court decided eight to one, relying on a video, by the way, because it contradicted what the, uh, what the plaintiff had to say. They said that the ramming of the car was just, they called it, first of all, deadly force, which, are, which this was here. And they said, they said that the ramming was justified because this guy was, was going twice the speed limit. He was going through red lights. He was cutting off other cars. He was recklessly endangering other people's lives. Could one of you please explain to me what the danger to the cop was here, what the danger to the other drivers were? There were none, absolutely none. You cannot use under the Constitution, you cannot seize this person by doing a pit maneuver at 60 miles an hour uh, when, when there's, you don't even come close to the Graham standards, none at all. I think this cop should be fired. I think this lawsuit. I think this lawsuit is a slam dunk. I would consider criminal charges against this guy, and whoever wrote Colonel Bryant's ridiculous statement ought to be replaced. He, I mean, that'd be Exhibit One at, at the plaintiff's trial. He says you basically implied that you use the pit maneuver when there's clean drivers pulling away at a high rate of speed, widely driving, dangerously passing, uh, showing no All regard right. for the safety of other motorists. None of that was true here. N not. None of them. Absolutely not. Right. I'm in. I'm in. Wow. Now, wow. Now, let, before I talk about Ward, the statement by the other side that cops are escalating, I do I do believe this. No, the dri drivers, now I'm not talking about this case, drivers are escalating by not following orders. But this case, I agree with Ward. There, there, there should have been a balance between the necessity of stopping this car for what had happened versus the day, the pit maneuver is very dangerous thing. I saw a video uh, a week or two weeks ago at Los Angeles where they followed a car for an hour, two hours before they decided to pit it when it was finally determined, okay, now it now is just way too dangerous. So I, I do agree with the ward that, that there were other things that could have been done. Take a little more time. She slowed down, she went off to the right, but that person's statement about the cops are escalating it's not entirely true. How about this? Do what the cops say, not this one. 
But overall, do what the cops say. When you get pulled over, the lights mean stop. Doesn't mean run away. But yeah, I think I think there's going to be a lawsuit on this one. I think um, they need to find. All right. Thank you, Catherine. Hold that thought. We're going to take a commercial break, guys. We'll be right back. So, hey, I want to tell you guys and take a moment and talk about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Inefficiencies, they can negatively affect your staff's production and morale as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's extra duty slash off-duty employment program, it can be profitable. While you still control your program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer at no cost to your agency and they take on all the administrative burden and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. The officers that are most eligible to work the assignments, they get priority and they paid out over a whopping $50 million in extra duty work over the past 12 months. You can visit them today at extradutysolutions.com. Also, the Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically as soon as the officer's gun is removed from the holster, providing an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, which overcomes inherent issues with body cams. Now, the Fact Duty, that's the F-A-C-T duty, it has a 1080p full high-definition digital camera, has a microphone and a 500-lumen tactical light. It also is less expensive of a data management cost and other evidentiary camera systems. You can get more information on the fact duty by going to gun-camera.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Uh, Captain Bartlett, where were you at before producer Will so rudely cut off your microphone? I was about to kick Will's behind is what I was about to do. <laughs> no, I, I, I pretty much said it. It was this. Generally in the world, drivers aren't doing what they're supposed to do when they get pulled over. Pull over. Stop. But in this case, um, I, don't think, I don't think this is a good – I don't think this is a good use of the pit. I think it's going to be a problem. All right. Okay. But, but can we agree that it was a good pit? Well, it was – I, I don't think so because the other there weren't other ve- as far as I could tell where was the other vehicle? I'm Aren't not supposed to be other justification. I mean, just seeing the vehicle sitting upside down, it was an effective, <laughs> effectively executed pit. Would you not agree? Oh sure, you know if it had caught fire, that'd have been a really effective pit. But how far do you want to go? There you go. All right. Um, so I got, it, I got, a, I got a question about this. Can you hear me? Go, go, ahead. go ahead, Lieutenant. Okay. All right, so every department has a policy about a pit maneuver. And and like my old department, anything over a certain mile per hour was considered a use of deadly force. You just simply couldn't do it unless you were justified in using deadly force. So my, my question is, doesn't the Arkansas State Police have a policy that delineates when you can use the pit maneuver and when you cannot? And it would seem to me that that would be one of the one of the most germane um, parts of the of the the, the equation here. I'm sure Ward yeah. would agree with you. What do you think, Ward? I, I can answer that. I don't know what their policy is. I assume that they have one. The policy is going to be very important in the lawsuit. 
because you can't sue the agency unless unless the there's something wrong with the policy or the custom. So I don't know what the policy is. I have to, I mean, if there's a reasonable policy, this was an illegal, um, illegal pit. I think they ought to throw this guy to the wolves rather than saying that this was pursuant to policy. I don't know what what it was, but I can't believe I can't believe this is pursuant to policy. If it was, they have a real liability, municipal liability for the agency there. Uh, so I also think it's probably important if any prosecutor wants to go crazy here. If he's following policy, you can't charge him with anything, in my opinion. But again, I don't know what the policy is, but I'm willing to bet there is one. And I, I noticed that they circled the wagons to protect this guy. I think that I think that was probably a mistake. Oh, David, I can't believe you haven't commented yet. But uh, but Andrea, the person on the show who's probably most recently initiated the pit <laughs> against somebody, Andrea, go ahead. I have to say, I think I think the wall is what helped out when that pit with that pit. Otherwise, I think it was kind of uh, a little iffy. But I actually thought that Ward was going to maybe come out with like a clown, like hair and a nose while he was doing that whole thing. Sorry, Ward, you've done it before. I'm just saying I was a little bit curious if that was coming out. Um, I have to agree with Randy. I think the policy is really what's what's important here. I think that we come down to that. You know, a lot of these, um, you know, agencies we're seeing the policy will change after this. We know that for sure. So I think that um, what's interesting is. I mean, it really, he seemed no, so nonchalant once he went up to the car. So it does make me wonder if the policy, if he was in with, within policy with, with whatever he saw, because he just went up to the car and was like, well, you should have, you know, you should have slowed down. You should have stopped. You should have, you know, done what you were supposed to do. So I, I find that interesting. I was kind of wondering the same thing. I did not look it up, what their policy was, um, but I was curious as to what that might be. But I, I think I think it is I, to, to go along with what Brett was saying. People are not, they're not doing what law enforcement expects you to do or asks you to do or requests you to do in general. We're seeing it with everything. So I think it's just kind of getting to be to the point where uh, they want me to do this, but I'm not going to do it. So I, I think that's that's a huge issue. All right. Well, thank I know we got uh, Brett and Ward wanting to jump back in this. So go ahead, guys. Go ahead, Ward. Uh, uh, Andrea, she did slow down and she did everything according to the motorist manual that's issued by the state police. Everything. Exactly right. The policy, even if he did this pursuant to policy, the policy, if that's what it is, in my mind, is clearly unconstitutional. If that's the case, well, then there's going to be liability by the by the agency. And we'll just have to see how this works out. I reached out to the lawyer and actually had communications with him, and he sent me a copy of the complaint. By the way, one of the, one of the claims is for malicious prosecution, because, of course, the cop immediately turned around and charged her with uh, not, not obeying a police officer's command. Of course. Well, uh, you know, cor uh, Corporal, uh, uh, Captain Captain Brett, you know, it's not uncommon for agencies, though, over the years to lose a, a court case, even though you have a policy and the cops completely justified by policy. Uh, but the courts have a different interpretation all of a sudden. Now you change police policy in order to match the court's version of the new of the uh, of the law. Yeah. You know, you, you would think that any state in the United States would have a very well-written, very well-defined pit policy. But, you know, having done some look into this stuff, I can tell you that's not always the case. Uh, there are some places that are kind of woefully behind. They're, they're still, uh, my, my badge is bigger than you. I'll see how far I can pee over you. And they're not like that. Um, I just think that this was in, in, a, in a balance between what's good for the safety of the driver and good for the people of the state of Arkansas, I think the better process would have been to let her go. You know, when I teach 
my gun classes. A lot of people ask me because they know as a cop. So what what do I do if I get pulled over and I'm not sure it's the cops? I say here's what you do: slow down, put on your flashers, call 911, and say I'm I'm being pulled over. Please verify that this is indeed. But I'm gonna I'm not gonna run. I'm gonna pull over. I'm gonna go to a lighted area where I'm comfortable because there are documented cases, not so much of a marked police car, but you know blue lights, red lights, where turns out they're just uh, they're phonies. So. Um, I, I think I think he should have let her go for a little bit, see what happens. All right. Well, any, anybody, Andrea, I know you've got your mic open. So uh, anybody else before we close down here? I was just going to jump in, Rupert Ward. I don't agree with this at all. Just to, just just for you know the reference, I don't agree with it at all. I don't think that he was right. I don't think it should have come to this. But and I, I think that that's the problem that we run into though is if the policy is you know if he's following policy and that's how he was trained. Not saying he was. It does change it somewhat. I think that this was a cringeworthy video completely. I, I mean I had a real hard time watching it, and I think that maybe he will get disciplined one way or the other. But I mean it all does come down to and Brett will agree with you. We have plenty of policies at our agency that should have been changed. But if you don't come across it all the time, you don't quite know until all of a sudden it's used and then you have to make adjustments to it. You have to change it, but it may not have been that way before whatever, you know, occurred. All right, thanks, I have, Andrew. I have, I have advice for the Arkansas State Police. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Right, check. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's coming. And we'll be covering it on the show, probably. You're right. But by uh, but, but, but by the way, uh, uh, she's got very very tough and good attorneys in Arkansas. Oh, is that right? It's gonna, it's gonna, yeah, yeah. It's going to be really interesting. You know, Clinton. <laughs> yeah, the Clinton, the Clinton, uh, Clinton and Clinton oh, yeah. and Clinton. And, and, and Randy, I, I know it's your first time on the show, but Ward, occasionally, I think Ward's been stewing over this for like the last week. And just, and I think, I don't think he could abs, I don't think he could wait. In fact, he <laughs> would contact one of the attorneys. So he's just been, he's just like a bottle getting ready the freaking bus. So, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's, we got a couple more things he's interested in. So I, I can't wait. Um, and we never know I what Ward's going to say. For all I know, he could say that, yeah, I remember when an officer did a pit on me and he flipped my car. You know, you never know what, what's going to come out of Ward's mouth. So, and you know what, Chip? How dare he go to the source and get actual factual information rather than relying on any window like we do? How dare yeah. he? I just, you know, never get, never let facts get so much more fun. Story, Ward. Yeah. All right. All right, moving along here. We've got about a minute before I got to take another break here. Um, Police One and click on Detroit.com. So, yes, you know where we're going with this. Um, it says, uh, watch, suspect flees with Michigan police officer hanging on. So, Wyandotte police officer is recovering after a suspect trying to flee an arrest this week sped off with him doing what? hanging on the car. Got two videos involving stuff like this. And authorities released body cam footage uh, from the incident. It started around 1.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday when Dardigan Stackhouse, 34 years old, was being investigated for drug-related crimes and delivered a substantial amount of cocaine to an undercover cop. So as our bad guy uh, sits in his black Dodge, 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 black Dodge Charger, getting tongue twisted here. Um, he's in a parking lot. Other officers, they rush in, surround him with patrol cars. So they got one cop that pulls up uh, behind him and another is in the front. Apparently that wasn't good enough though. And uh, look, we're gonna take a commercial break. I'll finish up with this in just one second.
right, guys, let's talk about industry leader in technology solutions for law enforcement. It's Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there's a call for more accountability in hiring in and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Guardian has developed a CGIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. With Guardian, the entire background check process is more comprehensive, and it's also much faster for both the agency and the applicants. There's no upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend that you visit them today at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. Also, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com, it's the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and the people at your agency by hosting the seminar at no cost. Come aboard as one of the most fire knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So we've got our bad guy, the Stackhouse guy, 34 years old. He just did a undercover uh, cocaine deal, but he was on the wrong end of it. And he's in a black Dodge Charger in a parking lot. Other cops rush in from the front and the back. So one of the officers le leaves his car, approaches the Charger, and then orders the driver to get out. Uh, but the guy refuses. He starts backing up and he hits one of the vehicles. Now, the body cam footage, it shows the officer, he opens up the driver's door as the man accelerates and then he gets trapped between the frame and the door as the driver speeds off. So it, it said in the article that the officer was dragged for several hundred feet. But if you listen to the audio of the coverage, it says 20 feet. It looked more like 20 to me instead of several hundred feet. But regardless, uh, he ends up being hurled to the pavement. So the suspect then inches away uh, from the from crushing the officer between the car and a large uh, trash dumpster, really. You can see it coming up in the video. So the officer's a 22-year veteran of the department. He's was hospitalized with extensive injuries to his arms, back, and legs, and he's since been released and is going to make a full recovery, they say. Now, after the officer falls down, another colleague pursues the charger for about a mile. Driver loses control, hits a car, rolls over, and this is without the pit, by the way, Ward, and he eventually crashes into the front porch of a house. Now, more body cam footage shows the other officer rushing to find the car's uh, wreckage in the yard. He runs after the suspect, who actually gets out and runs away, and he dashes through a nearby parking lot. They end up using the taser, and they get the guy. They go 10-15 with the bad guy, and it ends. Uh, but, yeah, we got two of these uh, officers being drugged by car videos. Comments on this? I expect David to weigh in on at least one of these, but... Um, yeah. David, go and finish uh, off, Corporal. I, I, when, when do we stop talking talking about this subject? When do guys with 22 years on stop tackling cars, stop arresting cars? Uh, I, I don't know how many times we've been over this. I don't know how many times we've seen it. And it, it, it's all the same thing. It, if I, I don't see how he got tangled up with this car or caught somehow and got dragged. He was going after the guy. The guy took off. He didn't let go of the car. 
and he found himself in a, in a precarious spot. I'm glad he's going to be okay. I always hate it, hate to see cops getting hurt when they're when they're putting it out there like that. <clears throat> Secondly, or it should have been firstly, we saw how you block a car in it at the pre, on the previous show with the, the guys at the, the little hotel. Okay, we saw that. We know it can be done. So if you're if you're about to make an arrest on a guy that you that has just delivered, I think it was a substantial was a substantial amount of crack cocaine and an undercover buy. He's he's not giving up, kids. He's not just going to go. Oh, yeah, you got me. Yeah, I'm under arrest. Whatever. No, he's going to fight. He's going to run. So if you're going to block him in with vehicles and you have large SUVs, you got to let him know that you're there. Knock on the door, which means crumple his bumper. That's what you've got push bumpers on the on the front of your vehicles for, and pin him so he doesn't get out. Two, three, four cars to pin him in there. But this is another example where. You, you, if you're going to do it, guys, you got to do it all the way. You can't, you can't let this spin out, or get out of out of containment, or this is what's going to happen. Bad guy goes to jail. Yes, cop gets hurt. That happens, but it doesn't have to. Not not in this case, and we've seen this too much. Thanks, thanks, Corporal. You know, we got a lot of uh, action right now. People talking on YouTube, uh, past story, this story, um, people all over the place about whether you know what's justified, what's not. But um, anybody else on this one, guys? Yeah, I got, I got him something. I, I, I feel, I feel for him. I, I feel for this officer, and I, and I, I understand what, what was going through his, his mind. He doesn't want to let the bad guy go, and sometimes, the unfortunate reality is that when that adrenaline starts surging through your body, and you want, you are so focused on getting that bad guy. Sometimes our judgment gets clouded, and this is this is a really unfortunate situation. That thank God he's still alive, because we had seen time after time severe, serious injuries or death occurring from when cops get too overly invested in making a high priority arrest. Wow. Well, well put, Lieutenant. And and Captain Bartlett gave you the thumbs up. You're right on the money with that. So, um, well, well, guys, you know, let's let's go jump right to the next one then because it's 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 similar. Police one. Uh, it, there's a video associated with this, of course. New York police officer dragged while investigating stolen vehicle. So we're in Buffalo, New York now. So six six Buffalo police officers were injured late on Monday night. Um, so this is, you know, right when we're doing our last show and in a series of events uh, that began with an attempt to stop a stolen vehicle that was in a gas station parking lot. So the officers stopped the car about 1120 in the evening. It's in the parking lot of the gas station. They're trying to get the occupants to get out of the car when the driver, who's identified as a 16 year old, he drives the drive away in reverse. And, you know, you can see the. Uh, the female, you know, walk up on the passenger side, that door's open as she gets, you know, inside that doorway, not even thinking the possibility of this vehicle is going to be, you know, uh, you know, going in reverse. So the driver drags Lieutenant, Lieutenant Nicole Santiago with the stolen vehicle, and it leaves her injured. And, and she took a pretty good hit. The driver exits the lot, and now there's a pursuit. So during the pursuit, the driver of this stolen vehicle, he swerves into an oncoming car, strikes a, uh, a police car. Then two officers in that vehicle were injured. Then the chase ends when the suspect's vehicle hits a parked car. The suspect flees on foot, of course. 
and the cops run him down. During the arrest, two more officers and another lieutenant are injured. So all six officers were assigned to the Northeast District, and they're all treated at a hospital for their injuries, and they're eventually released. So that's the way you know that goes down. Um, comments on this, guys? Jump in. Anybody want to be first on this? David, you want to start us off? I was gonna let I was gonna let Randy go. His, his mic was was <laughs> open. I he was gonna go it. Well, I, I'll be happy to because I, six cops hurt because some sixteen-year-old um, is in a stolen car. Okay, when you do the when you do the mathematics and you do the you, you do the equation here, is it worth it? And this is one. This is another one. This is this is where where cops get so overly involved, and I mean. To insert your body into that space where that car is still in motion is insanity. It's insanity. It is nothing but a recipe for disaster. And we have to be better trained and we have to be calmer when it comes down to making these decisions that can literally result in the end of our lives. It ain't worth it. All right. Thanks. Yeah. And, and, and 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 will will I don't know if the word douche if it, if it, if it has to be censored or not so we'll have to look that up yes but Lieutenant Randy's microphone is going to show open uh, he's he's going to be uh, muting it on the uh, on the local side on his side so you'll see it open on our side but go ahead uh, Corporal David and uh, and Officer Andrea you know same thing as before and uh, and Randy kind of touched on it it's unfortunate fortunate that it was a lieutenant. I don't know what that lieutenant was doing out there doing that. It's, it's almost as bad as a captain being on scene on one of those scenes. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, yes, putting yourself in a bad position with a with a 3,000 uh, pound uh, you know, deadly uh, weapon, which is a, a teenager behind the wheel of a stolen vehicle. So again, if you're going to approach that, you've got to you've got to stop that vehicle or at least impede its its mo movement hundred percent before you go up and open and start opening doors or somebody's going to get hurt so again like the lieutenant said uh, it, it's it, you've got to be smarter than that when you're doing those types of operations it just is going to end badly for you and in this case six six officers is just uh, uh, wow yeah all right well, thanks corporal okay uh andrea and brett we've got roughly a minute left this will be the end of the first half of the show so we're not going to pick up this topic afterwards we're going to end with it so go ahead guys i just really really quickly i just feel like it just shows how there's tunnel vision when in a situation like this and it's a good example of how officers have to assess the entire situation before they approach so slow down make make sound decisions and um just i mean don't put yourself in that situation go ahead brett I think there's value in, in speed when it comes to taking down a bad guy walking down the street. But there is, when it comes to the vehicle, speed going into their environment is a problem. And we're gonna, there's another article coming up talking about take time to stop, think, pause. But you know, if, if it's a bad guy, we're gonna see another video. Somebody's walking down the street. It took forever to get this guy stopped walking. But when it comes to the car, block it in, Take a deep breath, get a plan. They're not going anywhere. And if they do, whatever. But when you get inside that machine, somebody's getting hurt. All right. Thank you, Captain. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 
All right, guys, uh, this is the end of the first half of the show. You know, uh, a couple of the radio stations that carry the show, they only carry uh, the first hour. So if you're listening to one of those stations, make sure you get with them and ask them to pick up the second hour of Leo Roundtable. Uh, but uh, look, we've got some fantastic comments or, or, or show stuff coming up. Of course, we got our live feed going on Vimeo, YouTube, and on Facebook right now, too. So, guys, uh, stay tuned with us for a few more seconds. We'll start the second half. 